Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and today I've got a big treat for everyone. I have on the line with me Jason Martinez of Roster Resource, the creator of Roster Resource, I should say. So, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Drew. Um, I've got about a billion questions for you, but I think the first one might you know, set the tone for the podcast, and that is... Um, you know, roster resource, I think everybody I know who plays fantasy uses it and, uh, it's, it's obviously super useful for fantasy. Do you play fantasy? I, I do not. And that's because this, this particular job that I do is real, like you really have to be keyed in on everything that happens. And as soon as something happens, I'm, I'm on that, I'm, I'm updating the website and I'm thinking of things that don't really have. I mean, I guess they, they do have to do with fantasy. They don't have to do with my fantasy team where I think if, you know, if, if you play fantasy baseball, that's kind of what you're thinking of at all times. It's like, how is this guy going to help my fantasy team? How does this move affect my league? And, and that's, not where, that's not where my mind is when, when I do it. So I've tried to play over the years, and I get invited a lot, and, and I've learned to kind of just say no now because it's, I cannot put my full attention into it. I got um, you. Okay. Yeah. So you've, you've got to maintain full neutrality to do what you do, uh, you know, at the level that you do it at. Right. I, I think that's probably a, probably a way a good way of explaining it. I mean, I, it's, you know, like I said, it, I, I haven't thought too much of it. It would kind of make sense that I would play and that I'd be, I'd be okay at it. And, and I think when I've played, I think I've done well in the draft because I, I am kind of, keyed in on this stuff you're prepared i would imagine i'm prepared for the draft <laughs> but but then like it, it, baseball moves so quickly things change so fast and i'm you know so, sometimes there is like a one or two hour period where i'm just swamped with catching up with everything that happened especially d- during the season um somebody gets hurt somebody gets called up and there's just something happening all the time and i'm like focused on updating this website and then you know a couple hours later i you know when i have played i'm like oh i it could be it could be days and days or weeks and i'm like oh i'm playing in this league i forgot to go log in and make changes <laughs> well, I can, I know I, what happened. i can understand the neutrality thing too because you don't want to be uh you know doing a, a big hope job on on roster resource because you have a player and you're hoping he gets put in the lineup or moved up in the lineup you, you don't want to have those kind of conflicting uh, things going on in your mind. So, so I understand that. Uh, let me back up a little bit. And for the, for the two people out there that, that don't know Roster Resource, I, I really think most fantasy baseball players are familiar with the site. But can you just sort of um, give a general history of, of you know, how you got into this and what you're trying to do with the site? Yeah, for sure. So this was back in 2009 when I, when I started it. And, and at the time, I, I was so at the time, I was probably a, less than a year from losing my my job, and and a lot of my a lot of my coworkers had already lost their job, and I just figured, man, this is not fun anymore because you know all my coworkers are getting getting laid off, and I next, uh, let me just focus my attention on something that that I enjoy, that I know I could put a lot of time and effort into, and I'm not, never going to get tired of it. Um, I have my kids were small at the time and I figured I don't have, you know, I'm kind of limited to my computer. I followed the following baseball since I was a really little kid. I love off season. I love trades. I love free agents. 
let me kind of do something that focuses on that. And I think the gap at the time for me for, for baseball coverage was when a reporter, when, when there was a story that was written, a story that was reported, it didn't go far enough for me just because I did follow closely and I thought, you know, yeah, you, you are, this is for a mainstream audience. You know, you can't go too far. You can't go, you can't over explain things. But for me, it was, wasn't so much you needed to write more or say more i i would like to see a picture of your of this depth chart how does this trade how did this free agent signing how did this injury affect the you know, not only the the 25 man roster but the entire depth chart and you know who's next in line and i kind of wanted to see a picture of that and i knew that for me personally that that was the way that i like uh, you know yeah i, like I to get that to see you know it. like have a little you know have, give a little more information than just what happened and, and actually sort of go into a, a, you know, a minor analysis of why, you know, why was this player traded or why did this player uh, get signed? So I like that. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, you know, and, and not a, without having to write a, a few more paragraphs about it and over explain, you know, now these, you know, these four or five guys, why are, you know, why are these guys next in line? Why are these guys, now that this guy signed elsewhere, what do these guys have a chance of taking his job? It was more like, I want to be able to show you. This is the depth chart. You can figure it out yourself. And then the more information I can add to that, the better idea you'll have to, to, to come up with that, that analysis on your own. You can say, oh, well, this guy, uh, I can see his age. I can see what level he played at. I can see if he's a, a ranked prospect. I can see if he has options remaining. And with that, with all that information, you can go, oh, this this guy's a guy can keep an eye on here. This guy's probably going to be be in the majors next season or. Um, so you see yeah. the the roster resource page for a team as sort of giving giving players or you know, just giving fans the information that they need to to sort of make those decisions kind of, kind of to do it themselves. But, you know, based on the information that you're you're just trying to to put it all in one place. Is that, is that sort of it? Right. And that's why, like I said, I, I hadn't played fan. I don't know. I don't even think I was playing fantasy football yet at the time. Everybody plays fantasy football. That's easy. But, you know, so <laughs> I know I hadn't played fantasy baseball. So when I started the site, it was just, it was just something I enjoyed. I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a roster geek. Um, and, and so, you know, and there was no Twitter at the time. It was all, all the feedback I was getting was people emailing me or commenting on story uh, on, a, on, you know, comment sections of a story that says, you know, check out this, this website. This is a really cool website or something, you know, a writer would mention it in their story. Um, <clears throat> and that's how people would find the website. And what I realized quickly was these are all people that play fantasy baseball. <laughs> I, said, oh, I would okay. imagine. Yeah. It's probably a large percentage of your traffic. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think, you know, there was an instinct to kind of make it more fantasy, more of a fantasy site, but you know, it's really not what, you know, I, I also, <clears throat> I also didn't really want to, to go too far out of my lane. I, I figured I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it seems to be valuable to fantasy people who play fantasy baseball. But I also, um, you know, I wanted to stay in my lane and I said, this is working for, for everybody, but, you know, also keep that in mind. People that, you know, a big percentage of people that are using this is for fantasy baseball reasons. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I like the way that you've sort of seemed to have kept it pretty streamlined. I'm sure you could go into 
detail and link to articles about every single decision that you make. And, you know, there, there are as much as you try to make it a resource, I guess, for people to make their own calls and to, and to look at the whole team's picture and try to decide what's going to happen next. It's, you know, at some point, you have to make calls um, like who's going to be in the starting rotation. So you've got five pitchers, uh, I think six at the most for each team in the starting rotation. And then you've got, you know, some kind of bullpen sketch where you have to decide who's the closer. And then same with the starting lineup. You have to make a lot of decisions, even even though you provide, I guess, uh, background and, you know, minor leaguers. And, and so you, you, you show the whole picture but you make some calls on your own. So I guess I want to talk a little bit about how you, you go about making those decisions. I'm sure it's a lot of following the news, but um, what, you know, is there anything else you, you on your mind about all that before we, we sort of d- dig into some specifics and, you know, how to use the site? Yeah, I, I think what, what I, tr- I try not to, you know, be too, too opinionated on it. I try to base it on what is, <clears throat> what is real you know, so during the season, it's easy. You can figure you can figure out who the closer is, even if it's it's not as easy these days to figure out who's who's the closer. I think there's these days teams are more open to committees. Yeah, I was about uh, to say it's a lot of trying to figure out is this a committee or is there yeah, a closer? You know. Yeah, but you know, but day to day, you kind of know. Okay, this is this is what's happening, and and that's that's what is what is reflected on on, on each each page. Uh, in the off season, it's a little bit more difficult, and and. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned a few, a few uh, closer situations to me, you know, when you contacted me a few weeks ago. And, and for me, that's, you know, there's 30 teams and let's say 15 to 20, you know, we kind of know who the closers are. And then there's a bunch of others that you assume somebody's going to be the closer. Um, and, but it's, you know, the teams don't even mention it anymore. The, the manager, the general manager isn't even going to say anything because, why? I think the, the the point is like, why do I have to tell you who my closer is? It could change tomorrow. I'm a, my manager can can decide that he's going to change change it day to day. Um, it probably and, makes your job harder because you can't even find articles about it, or you know, I, I would imagine you you scour things like beat writers, and and they might not know either. So yeah, and sometimes the beat writers are guessing as well. So and and I try to to take what what the beat writers say into account, like the the. Uh, MLB writers all put out their predictions, their roster predictions. And so um, I'm going th- through that list and seeing if anything stands out. Like, you know, because a lot of them are pretty confident as far as this guy's a lock for this roster. And I go, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. But these, you know, you kind of trust that these guys are, you know, they're in the locker room, they're talking to the manager and they get an idea. So you kind of have to, sometimes you have to read between the lines, but sometimes you just have to, you know, some guys you trust more than others. And, and, um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, sometimes it doesn't make sense and you go, well, do I use my instinct and, and, and have, have roster resource reflect what, what my opinion is on this or do I, do I just change it because the beat writer says this guy's a lock, you know, and, and it, you know, I, I'd be bummed out if I just went with, went against my instinct and said, okay, this doesn't make sense, but since the reporter is saying it, I'm going to make the change. And then, you know, spring training comes around and it, and, and it turns out my instinct was correct. And then I go, Oh man, why did I, why didn't I just stick with what I thought? <laughs> so, so I think you have to realize that everybody's, everybody's 
it's all there. It's all opinion based in the offseason. Even if you ask a manager right now, a manager of the team, a general manager, they don't know what's going to happen in spring training. They might tell you this guy is, you know, I'm expecting this guy to be in my rotation. And so for me, that's that's almost, um, you know, I, I have to go in and make that change on, to, to reflect it on, on roster resource because you know, the manager's saying it, the general manager's saying it. So, of course, I'm going to do that. Um, but it doesn't mean that's what's going to happen because baseball is so unpredictable. Pitchers are so unpredictable. And we really don't know until we'll, little, we'll know a little bit more in spring training. We've got guys that, that were injured towards the end of last season and, we don't know how bad it was because they haven't been pitching. So they show up to spring training and you go, Oh yeah. Remember, remember that elbow injury that sidelined him the last two weeks of the season. Right. Yeah. He it's still there. He's going to have Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, that, that stuff happens all, all the time. And so I would think you've, you've seen a lot of that over the years. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Random thought that that kind of brings to mind is, you know, we, we certainly don't know anything for sure, but I mean, I would say there are things we know with, you know, 95 to 99% certainty, like, you know, as long as he's healthy, Garrett Cole is going to be the first pitcher in the rotation for the Yankees. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of an obvious one, but you know, I, I think we would put a, a confidence on that, you know, somewhere between 95 and 99% because he could, you know, get hurt in spring training or something. So he can't, nothing's a hundred, but have you ever thought about, uh, this is my random thought. <laughs> have you ever considered putting a confidence rating on on your rosters? Like, you know, uh, take the the Rockies or something. You know, I'm ninety percent confident. You know, Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story are going to be the first two hitters in the lineup, and then you know, after that, maybe I'm only sixty percent confident that Sam Hilliard is there. Right. I I I think it's for me. That's a it is something I've thought about and it's not completely thought through, but something along those lines where I think, you know, if you think about, about each team, what they're, what, what, how they, how they get ready for the off season and for the season, I think, I think they want to know, you know, obviously like for, you know, you mentioned Garrett Cole, the Yankees are, are, are pretty confident that guy's going to give you 30 plus starts and he's going to be really good. Um, the chances of him being not good or, you know, the chances of getting hurt, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there, there is a percentage, but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot lower than most pitchers where I think there's a way to, to calc. I don't, I don't know if it's, if, if it's something I'm going to do anytime in the near future, but I, I think it is something that I want to be able to do to show, show, um, you know, if you're looking at position depth, you know, you got certain guys in certain positions where you go, okay, we're, we're good here because I'm certain that that guy is going to be healthy. I'm pretty certain he's going to be healthy. I'm pretty certain he's going to be, he's going to be pretty good. Um, there's certain positions where you go, okay, you know, maybe this guy's 50%. I don't really trust that he's going to stay healthy, but I got this, you know, three other guys behind him who, who I cannot, you know, and with, with those four or five guys, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get through this through a full season with decent production at that position. Right. Um, you know, but, but that's the thing. When I think about all 30 teams, there, there might be one or two occasionally where you go, that team has absolutely no chance. Everything can go right. And they're <laughs> still going to be bad. I mean, look at the Orioles right now. Yeah. That's probably the case, but I can look at the Marlins right now and they're probably going to be bad, but I can give you a lot of best case scenarios 
and say, yeah, I, I can see them winning, you know, 80, 88 games if everything goes right. You know, everything yeah, is no, not going to go right. Uh, they've done some things to improve themselves too, right? Like, um, I mean, think about how bad the White Sox were last year. And now, <laughs> you know, you could see them winning that division. So it yeah. definitely changes fast. I would, I would imagine that would make things things a little difficult. But but you're right. I mean, I think, you know, maybe maybe the answer to my question is that it would be hard to get have to work out you know because it's like you have you have a, a sort of a, a glob of players on on a given team that you're like well you know these guys are these guys are probably going to be in the bottom half of the lineup um at least for now until they play themselves out of it right <laughs> and then yeah. you have these bench players and maybe even some of the minor leaguers that yeah maybe they maybe they get in but you know it's 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 sort of a it would be silly to to try to put a confidence on how much they're going to be there. I, I actually know what Fangraphs does and we'll get to your relationship with Fangraphs very soon, but you know, I, I'm not sure if you ever have, have looked at their other pages since you don't play fantasy, but they had, they have always had a um, depth chart and it's not like your rosters. It's just a playing time percentage that they project. So if I go to like the Rockies Fangraphs page, um, there's a, if you look on the far right, there's a depth chart. And so they've got, in center field, they've got David Dahl playing 53% of the time. And then they've got a list of other guys that are going to, that they think are going to slot into center field. And then at the, you know, you can go down to the bottom and see how that looks. Uh, they've got positions and then the, at the bottom, they've got an all and you can see how many at bats they're, they're projecting for a lineup. Have you ever done anything like that? Or are you, are you involved with that with fan graphs? Yeah. Um, you're, you're yeah. asking, you're asking the right person. Cause, cause that's, okay. that's what I'm doing now with, with that. I, I have been doing it for, for a long time. Okay. I used to do it for I I started doing it for baseball prospectus probably eight years eight nine years ago I did it a couple seasons for them and then I was doing it for you know just just on my for my own uh, uh, roster resource and now this is the first the first year I'm doing it at at Fangraph so so those projections are um, so and just I, to be I clear you those. you just took over what they were already doing because I think mm -hmm. I have seen this the last few years yeah and they you know and they figured well since you do the depth charts anyways, you'd be the perfect person to kind of right. just take, take over this and run them together. And, and so currently the, the, the projected plate appearances projected in any pitch aren't on the, are on the roster resource depth charts, but that's the plan is to, to make sure that they're there soon. So oh, well. if you look at, if you're looking at, um, I think that's for, something that, that fantasy players will salivate over. Uh, yeah, you can imagine because, because with us, it's not just, you know, like, let's get a snapshot. And especially, especially those of us who play primarily season long fantasy and not daily fantasy, we all think in terms of what's this year going to look like and who and what can we project for playing time. And that's right. why, you know, because there's there's sites like Steamer that are great, but it's, it's all it all depends on the playing time. Right. You know, like playing you can, time is, is really it really drives drives everything because, I mean, that's. You know, there, there's obviously there's a difference between a guy who's going to score 110 runs and a guy who's, who scores 80 runs. But I mean, most guys are going to be kind of in the middle if they if they play every day. If if, if a guy yeah, plays no, every exactly. day and he's just kind of average, and who's and who's score. behind him, right? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, if you if you don't play every day uh, and if you're playing in you know the eighth spot in a lineup, you can pretty much you can pretty much bet that you're not going to. Um, have those kind of numbers, and that's that's what's so so valuable to know for season long fantasy. Yeah, and if you look at a team like like the Dodgers, for example, 
And I just I I recently made some changes too, just trying to figure figure out how they're gonna they're gonna set up. Um, and they have so many guys, and you go how how are all these guys gonna get get their at bats? You know, they, all these guys are deserving of six hundred plus plate appearances, but um, how you know it sounds like Gavin Lux is is gonna be their second baseman, but. So you let's know, let's stop there for a second. Yeah. I noticed, yeah, I just pulled up your uh, your Dodgers page, and I noticed. I think this is the first time Gavin Lux has made it into your projected lineup, and you've got him hitting eighth before the pitcher. And I think I'm not sure who who was there before. Maybe AJ Pollock was in the lineup, and now isn't, or is is, is yeah, a platoon? So, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's just. How do you uh, so 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 this is just you digesting news and then making changes on the page. Is that yeah. right? And and in this particular instance, I mean, a few people mentioned to me, you know, throughout the last few weeks. So hey, what about Gavin Lux? Well, you know, how do you fit Gavin Lux in there if if um, if Alex Verdugo is healthy, which he's questionable for opening day, but he seems like he'll be OK. That that's a guy who who is a big league, like a, an everyday big league ball player right there. So, so who are you going to sit down and automatically you don't you know when you see aj pollock you go yeah that's a guy they gave a lot of money to he's a proven and uh he's a proven veteran he, he he's going to be in the everyday lineup so you don't automatically think maybe that guy's going to lose lose playing time for somebody like lux um so it kind of takes me a while to get there you know and then today sure. the, the, the so the dodgers signed jimmy nelson today so i'm just that's just for me it's okay and now i'm just just today, just for that moment, I'm specifically looking over the Dodgers roster, and I go, yeah, how, you know, and I look at that lineup again, I go, maybe, you know, maybe there is room for Lux in the lineup. I had a, I had Tyler White on the bench, who they acquired last season. No options remaining, so the guys with no options, I'm usually putting on the, on the, on the 20, on the 26th man roster, just because, you know, they're, they're still on the team for a reason. They haven't, they haven't cut them. Right. You go, nah, that that guy. Yeah, he's. It's tough. I mean, I, I can imagine the Dodgers just make you want to pull your hair out because it's yeah. like, who do you put? You know, you you can't. I mean, AJ Pollock would be in the top half of the lineup for any other team, or at least batting fifth. And you know, like uh, you, you've got Jock Peterson platooning. That seems pretty reasonable. But like Gavin Lux or or any of the guys on the bench, you can totally see playing full time on another team. So it must yeah. be just maddening. Yeah, and I, and I think it's. That's why I really want to have the, you know, I, I, I bug, I bug the guys at, at, at Fangrass. I go, hey, when are we going to get the, the, the playing time protections on the pages? And, and things just, they're not as easy as, <laughs> as were when I was at Roster Resource. Where I was using, I was just using a, a Google document to do everything. So I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to add something, I just went and did it <laughs> myself. It might take, it might take a few hours to do it, but now I got, I have to wait in line behind some, some important projects. <laughs> and so, and so. Uh, you know, but it, but if you look at a team like like the Dodgers, it makes more sense if you look at the playing time projections as well. So you can still see AJ Pollock. I think I have him at 448 plate appearances, um, even though I don't have him on the opening day. You know, go go to lineup. I have him as as a platoon. I have like Verdugo with 518, Gavin Lux 476. So, so again, you're now looking on the Fangraphs depth chart page. Yes. For, the, for the Dodgers, okay. Yeah, and so just wanted so, to follow along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the challenging thing right now. It's I'm managing both, so they, so they go together. Okay. Once I get the once I get the playing time percentage on the the roster resource depth chart, it'll be a lot easier. 
Um, Are they pretty much in sync now already? As far as I, I know, at some point, and you know, I may be thinking of player pages on Fangraphs, but I have seen some where it's got a guy that on the Fangraphs depth chart page is is not projected to be, um, let's just say, the closer. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet, if you go to his player page on Fangraphs, it's got him getting the bulk of the saves. I, I can't think of a great example now, but I, I know I have seen that at some point. Yeah, I've, um, I've asked. I've asked a few questions. I'm I'm still not exactly sure how it works, but you know, you got you got the steamer projection, you got the zips projection. Um, oh, okay. And those you. they both use so that my plus... playing time projections, but I'm not sure. I think it it just factors it in, and it. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So playing time. So, so playing time is coming from you. If I'm looking at, mm-hmm. oh gosh, who's a good example? Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip down to what I'm gonna ask you later about closers. <laughs> so let's look at uh, let's look at Carlos Martinez. And so if I pull up Carlos Martinez, his Fangraphs player page, and I scroll down, it's got okay, it's got him projected for 28 saves. So it's got him as the closer. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's coming from. Have you had him as the closer the whole time on, on uh, your? I've had I've had him I've had him like half and half. Me, I, I think I've adjusted it since they signed Kim. Interesting. So I think I think Kim's going to get a good shot to to start. But I also have been hearing that he's pretty good out of the bullpen as well. So I, I let me... it's tough. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's a bad example. Yeah, but... but that's that's something where you go, okay. Well, we'll I... we'll assume that it's playing time coming from you. And then also some some of the statistical stuff or the category stuff is coming from Steamer. I would think that makes sense, especially for hitters. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense uh, to me. On the on the playing time projections, it also allows me to project saves. So I, I think that might be coming from you, right? So right now I have uh, Martinez with with seventy five percent of the saves. So that so that's about right. 28, 28 saves, and then I have him with. Uh, with only a few starts, so I'm, I'm I haven't projected primarily as a as a reliever right now, gotcha. but that's but that's also like that's just based on me me thinking that that he's not gonna he's not gonna be in the rotation, which he can come to spring training and win 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 a spot and make thirty starts. So gotcha. that's why I can that's why I adjust these regularly, and then especially during spring training, they'll they'll be they'll be moving around a lot. Well, I just found two better examples because uh, the closer is kind of a tough one for that. But yes, I think I think clearly the playing time is coming from you because I looked at I was just on the Marlins for some reason. I think I was looking at their closer situation, and Austin Dean. You have him for fifty plate appearances, and John Birdie two hundred and thirty six. And if you pull up their player pages, it matches exactly at least okay. on the at least on depth charts. Not there's a depth charts line and a steamer line. I don't know the difference, and you know I'm not going to ask you to answer every fan graphs question there is, but. Uh, if you know, that would be interesting to know why they're, you know, on the player pages, there are two lines, but I think the depth chart line matches your playing time. So, yeah, I think, I think from, from what I, from the explanation I got, it sounds like the depth chart line is going to be hundred percent powered by, by mines. And then the, the steamer one is just, is taking that projection and it's just, it's just part of the whole formula. So it, it doesn't match up exactly. Somebody, somebody else is doing the playing time there and I don't know who, so we'll, we don't have to answer everything, but yeah. I, I do think that's an interesting one to mention. Oh, and as, as an aside to everyone, uh, I think you're hundred percent right on uh, John Birdie uh, you know, to have him sort of as a, 
what it was it 200 and something plate appearances i think he's gonna you know maybe come off the bench he just doesn't seem like he should be a big part of their future because he's what 30 years old and uh, i think you know a lot of people are drafting him i don't know how much you follow this but you know he's he's being drafted kind of as a starter you know i mean obviously if he can chip in those stolen bases that's useful anytime but people are taking him in like the you know 13th 14th 15th round and yeah uh, i think it may, it makes sense just because he he was a starter for 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 the time he was up last year and he was pretty good um so the one the one thing you have to take into account is and there's actually a few things to take into account is that you got a guy like lewis brinson who was who was their guy a top prospect is supposed to be a stud it's taken him a couple of years, but at, at what point do you do you move on from him? And, and for a team like the Marlins, it's not yet. You're gonna you're gonna bring him to camp and see if he is if he if something was unlocked during the offseason and you know maybe he figures it out. Uh, if he doesn't, yeah, somebody like Birdie's gonna be a lot more valuable. He's gonna play a lot more. Um, but if Brinson comes to spring training and he's pretty good, you know, a guy like Birdie's gonna be a utility man. That's it's so so it's. It's another one of those. I don't know if it's if it's a, a coin toss at this point, uh, but it could be. It's just like you just don't know. Totally, it's, it's totally. not a lot. Well, we've kind of already segued into talking about your FanGraphs relationship, um, and I want to get to some specific questions on players later. Even though we've already talked about a few of those too. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say I love the the free agent tracker. I think that's new this year, and I think that comes from you. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That that's something I I was. I mean, every everything that we've moved over to from from roster resource, it's all it's all in that roster resource tab. That's the cool thing is I have my own tab. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, you know, the plan is to is to move everything over to Fangraphs and make it part of Fangraphs. But I think it's easier right now just to kind of to replicate, pretty much replicate what I had. Yeah. Um, with obviously some more, a few more functions in there, and you know, you click the player to get to the player page and. Um, and so, but it's still a lot, a lot like what I had at roster, roster resource. So it, it's, it's almost like, you know, so that roster resource tab is just, it's all the stuff I was doing a little bit better. Um, and for now it's all, it's all going to be together, but yeah, the, the free agent tracker, that's it's pretty similar to what, what I was doing um, at roster resource. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I like having, I like the idea to have that all in one place. And as you said, you know, you're going to add the playing time to the, to the sort of the, the, the traditional roster resource page there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that as it comes along. And I understand, you know, everything takes takes time, but it, it's it's really cool stuff. The free agent tracker, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, is, and you can correct me anywhere I'm wrong here, but the one I'm talking about is it's, uh, let's see, I'm pulling mine up now. You have, I have a link to it, but it's all the free agents um, from this season you know, I'm not sure to what extent you were involved with this. I think, you know, maybe you can explain there's some res- results that were crowdsourced on, um, you know, the contracts that people were projecting every, each free agent would get. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, yeah. Fangrass does this every year. They do, they do crowdsourcing. Okay. Um, and then they have, I, I had not seen 10 it diff- to this yeah, extent there before. 10 different, was- 10 different posts that they did with, with a group of players. So, so cool. I'm not, I don't remember how they grouped them, but they were all grouped together somehow. And then, so each day you have one page and you go, all right, give, give your, give your thoughts on this, give your predictions on this. And then at the end, um, this is what they came up with. So that's why I don't, they don't have every player in there, but 
um, it's it's a good way to it's a good way to see how <clears throat> how at least this season I think a lot <clears throat> a lot of the big names just based on the last couple of years are like ah they're not going to get that much but yeah like Cole and Rendon went way over their their sure, projection so yeah. did so did Strasburg Wheeler it's cool to see that and it, to me it's very cool to see um, the players that you know people are projecting contracts for and certainly big con- I think they, they they may not go down to the players that might get signed for a year you know on a minors contract or a bench contract that sort of thing but like I did notice in the very first section no one predicted Cole Calhoun to get a contract I thought that was kind of strange because you know obviously he has already he's gotten one so we you know this may be hindsight bias but like him and there were a couple others CJ Crone and just a yeah. few players that I was sure were going to get one, and, and in fact did. I think um, those were uh, I think those were non-tenders. So I don't I don't know if they did this before the non-tender deadline. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's exactly what it is. If it was after, they probably just decided not to include those guys. But yeah, there, there's a few guys that yeah, those two guys specifically that that would have normally been in this group. I think you're definitely onto something there. Okay. Um, okay. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about the the relationship there? I think. Every- um, is probably excited about that. I know I am. Uh, I've always used Fangraphs a lot, and uh, just having you and Roster Resource there makes it that much better. But is it, yeah. I, I, I'm going to get into just drilling you with questions <laughs> about specific situations. So uh, I just want to give you one more chance to just say anything you want to about that. Yeah, for for sure. It's I mean it's it's a perfect combination, and in, in my opinion, I think for for what I was doing, it was always it was always pretty limited. My, I had a lot of limitations. There was no stats, no no player pages, and I always thought, well, I, I can do that. And every time I, you know, I, I try to create pay, player pages, I realized how big of a project it was going to be, and um, and so to just move everything over to to Fangraphs and how quickly they were able to do it was was pretty amazing. Um, but it's something that you know, since I started the site in two thousand nine, it was like at some point I want to get to this. And just kind of within a you know just a few months we had it all we had it all moved over and we have uh, the ability to do so much more and you know i'm not very i i guess i i i think i'm a patient person but with <laughs> i got so many ideas with 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 this kind of stuff and i just want to i just want to get it all done right away but you know but but i think it is to get to get this far you know in just a few months was was pretty amazing and so i think the uh the upside is is huge so i I think we'll be able to do a lot more with this stuff yeah i can imagine i'm sure it's nice to have you know those guys it and all that kind of stuff too so um uh, i'm sure there are like you said there are trade-offs and you know things that take longer but things that you can do that you couldn't do before so that's really cool to me um all right well if you don't if you don't mind me peppering you with questions uh i did have a few um specific sort of like roster things that come up, especially for fantasy players. And one, I almost don't even want to say because uh, I'm, I'm drafting a lot of Sean Murphy, the, the catcher for the athletics. And mm-hmm. I noticed you have him as the catcher. Um, but for some reason, fan, this, this was kind of what I was trying to talk about before. If you go to his player page, it's got him for like one at bat or zero at bat. So that may just be something that the fan site hasn't caught up with yet. But um do you have any uh, thoughts about Sean Murphy? I know you've got him on the depth charts page. It looks like for yeah, three hundred eighty-four plate yeah. appearances. So yeah, but it's so he's, he's getting the bulk. Average. 
Yeah, that's yeah. I, I guess I think these I think these are zips projection. Maybe they're not zips. I, I'm not sure if this is steamer or zips. I'm not sure where that's coming from. But whatever well, the projection weird thing it is, is I don't like him. The, the weird thing is, if you go to his player page, it's got him for like one at bat, but a two forty seven batting average. So, hmm. um, and it's only it's I think the the link may be messed up because it's only got steamer and it doesn't have the depth charts line like everybody else does so it may just mm. it may need to get fan graphs to look into that <laughs> but, but yeah, i just don't want you to because i'm drafting a lot of him and i know um you know i i probably i'm sure you know more but uh he is supposed to be the guy and he's he is a prospect and i've heard uh james anderson from rotowire and a lot of other guys talk very highly of him so i'm, I'm yeah interested. it looks like yeah it looks like uh yeah 300, 384 plate appearances 10 homers yeah, that's. I mean, that, I I think the most important thing is is plate appearances. But yeah, if if you notice stuff like this, just just let me know. My my goal is to figure out how all this stuff works together, and then for me, I'm going to be making suggestions and just trying to trying to get this to a point where we because we have so much information on this site, and I, I want to be able to to have this one page that shows that shows um, um, fantasy baseball prep prep content right here and even with just one just just one page to be able to pull up different filters and go i want to see all the starting catchers i want to see all the national league third basemen and just as simple as that and, and so we have so much of that it's just a matter of building it and trying to understand um understand how that works yeah, that's awesome. Believe me, that's that's music to the ears of anybody who plays plays fantasy. So yeah, but and uh, so so you mentioned Murphy. I just just I th I think it's the thing with any catcher though is, I think, they're they're not quite used like you know like in the NFL where where you, you they're kind of getting away from that running back who carries thirty times a game. It's like they're sharing it with a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. It's not quite like that, but it is. There, there, there aren't as many. You know, there's real, real Muto catches almost every game, and there's a few other guys. But if you're, especially if you're a, a rookie catcher, a young catcher, they might not trust you as much with that pitching staff. You know, in the A situation, they don't have that veteran guy right now. They brought in Austin Allen, who's another young guy. Um, at 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 some point, if if they were to bring in a veteran, you know, maybe maybe bring back a Jonathan Lucroy, that that might take away from from Murphy's at bats, but, but at this point, he's a guy you look at and you go, that's probably a guy who's going to get 70% of the starts, you know, 65 to 70%. So that's interesting. Uh, I like the analogy with like a, a rookie running back, you know, maybe, maybe obviously you've got the, like the Josh Jacobs type that are just going to get the ball from day one, but then you have uh, maybe the Devin Singletary or something that's going to need an injury to happen first. And, or, or maybe they just ease him in over the course of the season, but yeah, yeah. but they don't—they don't have the guy, you know. In, in, in Murphy's case, they don't have that guy right now. Yeah, no that, him in. It's like, that and the fact that he came up and and did pretty well, and or at least you know got got some good time in last season. I think at least in September, if not a little before that too, makes me yeah. feel a little better about it. But like you like you say, there's nowhere else, there's no one else for you to put in the lineup right now because they don't even have. I don't even know if they have a backup, but they certainly don't have a potential. Uh, starter ahead of yeah. him. So. It's just it's just young guys there, so it's it's you know either they really really trust them or they're still there's still a chance they can go out and get a you know a a, a Jonathan Lucroy or or uh, you know there's still there's still a few catchers out there who would be good a good complement, um, but there's not really anybody who's going to take 
who's going to who's going to take away the primary role from him. Yeah. So I, th- I think he's in he's in pretty good shape. And, and you know, there's always a chance that he struggles out of the gate and, you know, eventually loses his is is loses some, some at bats. But he's in a, yeah, there's there's not that many catchers, young catchers out there who he just kind of are just kind of ready to say, all right, here you go. It's all yours. Take it. Yeah. Um, and so he's in a good position. Well, cool. Um, so I have three teams I want to sort of examine with you if you if you would wouldn't mind and, and have the time. Uh, and that's the the Brewers, the White Sox, and the Nationals. I feel like all three have some interesting things going on from from a roster perspective. Which one do you want to tackle first? We'll start with the Brewers. All right. Well, so I think the interesting thing <clears throat> to me about the Brewers is all the different personnel from last year. Obviously, uh, you know, Grandal became free agent and they did not get him back. They did sign Omar Narvaez. I think that's an interesting one. Um, they've got uh, Eric Sogard. They signed Smoke and Brian Healy, I believe might. I'm not sure if he's ready for opening day or not, but interest, interesting lineup and a little hard to figure how it plays out. I noticed you have uh, Sogard platooning, but, but leading off on the strong side of that platoon. And um you have recently put Avisel Garcia into the starting lineup. Um, I don't know who that bumped. Uh, we've got Garcia on the bench, Ben Gamble on the bench. Maybe it was Ben Gamble that was in the starting lineup. But it's an interesting lineup. Um, t- can you tell me sort of your general thoughts about sort of how sure you are this is the way they will play out? And, and this brings up another question I had, which is, do you ever try to look ahead and say, well, maybe they'll bring up this guy or maybe they'll try to trade, but I guess there's nothing you can do if they haven't made the trade yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, that they're one of the more, that, that's one of the more difficult ones when, when they, they just, there's certain teams that just start signing guys and you, you go, well, they already have, a, they already have three outfielders. Why do you right. keep signing outfielders? <laughs> is, is Ryan Braun going to be your first baseman? And then they're like, no, he's mostly going to play left. Well, uh, it that's what you sense. did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I see that. And now. So I had smoke, I had Justin smoke in the starting lineup. Um, and then I think I saw, I saw a quote uh, from one of the Brewers writers that says Gar- Abacil Garcia was going to be the primary left fielder and Braun was going to bounce between first and left. And so, you know, I, I, that doesn't, that doesn't take smoke out of the picture. It just means that That's so I, think, I think between those, th- between those three guys, you're probably, I still have smoke with 413 plate appearances right now. Yeah. I have, I have Braun with, um, I have Braun with, uh, actually I actually have 473 uh, for, for smoke. And then um, Braun, I have four, 546 and Abasel Garcia 508. And that's typically how the Brewers seem to do it is they won't they won't play anybody 700 plate appearances, you know, like 162 games, but they'll they'll work them in so that you can get 500, 550 plate appearances. Um, you know, Braun will get a couple of days off every now and then and that kind of thing. But yeah, I noticed that just to be clear, you you had Braun as the what was it, right fielder, left fielder, left fielder, yeah, and yes. and now you have him as the first baseman because you had to get our Evasel um, Gar- Garcia. I heard his name was pronounced Avisael, like you pronounce every letter. But yeah, I think <laughs> anyway. that's typically how Avis, I'm not the best with Avisael. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So, 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 just to be clear, you know, that you've got him in the lineup now. But, but yeah, that that's what's what's fascinating to me is is um, you know thinking about how that affects 
someone like Justin Smoke and, and how, how much that's going to, um, I mean, you, you know, like I said, you can still probably get in for some of those plate appearances, but like when you're talking about fantasy and people drafting for these early, early drafts, it's the difference probably between taking him in one of these draft and hold leagues in the 25th round and then maybe taking him at all sort of towards the end because you're just, you're just not sure what, you know, how, how valuable that's going to be if you can't slot him in there. Right. Uh, and and, and I think, I think for the most part, teams, teams can have that, that one X, one or two extra guys and still get them 300, 400 plate appearances. So even if, even if they're showing up on the bench as bench yes. guys, it's still like, you know, it, it, well, they seem like the Dodgers, they have a bunch of those guys now. So it's, it's get, it gets even harder. It's like, Typically, you got a guy like Chris Taylor and Enrique Hernandez, and you go, "Yeah, we'll still get him 300, 400 plate appearances." And now it's like, "Wow, that's that's really hard to do with 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 that team." Um, it's and- it's really interesting me to me that you read read something from a from a beat writer about uh, Avisel. I think you said being the everyday left fielder. Yeah, that's. Is- I, I mean, think how, that's- did, did they, were they quoting a coach or were they just giving uh, their opinion? I just wonder about see. that. Yeah, it was it was uh so Adam McCalvey, MLB.com, um says Garcia was told he'll play regularly in left field and occasionally spell Kane in center. That means yeah. Braun will split time in left and at first base. Yeah. So so I take that quote and I go, okay, well <clears throat> that you know, I'm I'm trying to show opening day go to starting lineup. And versus a right-handed pitcher, that, that's what I'm doing. So I, I, I consider, you know, if if that's what he was told, then he's going to be the starting left fielder, and that means Brown's the starting first baseman. But you know, the very next game, you can have Smoke at first and Brown in left or Brown on the bench, and 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 then from then on, it's like the manager's going to go with a hot hand. You know, if Smoke is having great at bats, he's going to be in the lineup more. Right. Um. You know the the the, the the thing that's different about the playing projections I'm do- playing time projections I'm, I'm doing right now is this, it's all based on a hundred percent at each, each position. And when I was doing my playing time projections at roster resource, I was going, I was going higher to, to adjust for just guys getting injured, not a specific guy getting injured, but you know, there's going to be extra time because, you know, somebody who is projected to, to play a lot right now is going to get hurt. Somebody who has 600, plate appearances as their projection is going to only have 300 because they got hurt. So that leaves a lot more, you know, it, there's a lot more than a, that hundred percent. That's going to just, just because right. there's, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys that, that aren't projected at all. They're going to have plate appearances. They're going to pitch because so many guys get hurt. Yeah. That goes back to the, like the certainty thing and the math, not really adding up. Like there's no way you could say, all right, I've got this team perfectly predicted for the number of plate appearances that I expect them to have this year. So no other player is going to get into the lineup at any point. You know, that would be ridiculous. But yeah, and I, I can do some math and figure out what a good percentage would be. Like, I, you know, you could, but but not every team is the same. You know, it's like I can say the average is that you have an extra hundred innings for a starting pitcher. So let's go to hundred and you know, let's say we we go to one hundred and twenty percent for starting pitchers. <clears throat> but some teams are going to be way healthier than others. Some teams are going to, I think it was the Yankees or the Mets or maybe both of those teams that were way over what anybody would have expected as far as guys getting hurt. So it's, it's just, it's just hard to predict. 
the Brewers is an interesting team. Speaking of starting pitchers, they don't they don't have a lot of depth there. It doesn't look like. Do you know anything about Josh Lindblom coming over? I know he's he's one of those guys that you know he he was around. He was up up and down a few years back when he was in the majors, and I think he had started a little bit. It was a little bit of a you know. It's really hard to know what to make of those guys because they all to... have incredible records um, when they're coming over. You know, they were they're all all stars in Asia, whichever league. Yeah. He came came over over from, from Korea. And, and I, you know, there's plenty of major league scouts out there who can, who can look at him and say, yeah, he's, he's figured something out. He's, he's, he can get big league hitters out. So you kind of have to trust that. And, and important thing for me, um, which is, which is, is going to be important for fantasy as well, is that he's been throwing close to 200 innings a year over there, which is, you know, if, if you're trying to compare him to like a, one of their young guys, um, you know, I trust the guy who threw threw 194 and two thirds innings in Korea last year. He threw 168 the year before, so this is a guy who is capable of giving you 30 starts. And if you if you look at their young guys, you go, well, if if even if Freddie Peralta is in the rotation, uh, you know he's, he's he's 23, he's bounce between the bullpen and the rotation, how many innings going to give you? Same, same with Corbin yeah. Burns. And, um, well, that's, that's uh, two, two very good players to mention because last year uh, we all know sort of how badly they, they blew up. And Corbin Burns, I think, was giving up three home runs a game or something like that. And, and obviously, if a Lindblom or you know, somebody like that is going to give you a four-and-a-half or five even ERA, but is going to go six or seven innings each game, teams can value that a lot more than we might in fantasy. And you have to sort of, I'm sort of personally, I'm tempering my expectations for Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns getting starts this year. I mean, I'm, I would imagine they might work their way in at some point, but it's far from a, a given thing. So yeah, you tough, can't, you can't trust, one to do. you can't trust pitchers. You can't, you can't trust, <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust relief pitchers at all from year to year. I'm starting to understand why you don't play fantasy. You know too much. <laughs> I, that might be, <laughs> that might be part of it too. It's like, I, I don't, you don't, you know, if, if you, if there, there are so many guys, right. And there's so many players that nobody's even thinking are going to be bad right now. or going to, you know, just figure that guy's for sure going to be good this year. And yeah. they're just, they're not, they're not going to be good or they're going to get hurt. And, and who knows and who then, those are, you know? <laughs> and then there's a bunch of guys that nobody's going to talk about. And, you know, six months from now, you're like, wow, this guy's like one of the best players in the league. Where'd he come from? They're going to be Pete Alonzo 2020. Yep, yeah. you're, you're definitely right about that. Uh, Josh Hader, what, do you, what, kind, what kind of certainty do you have that, they'll be, that he'll be the closer again? I mean, they, they don't have much behind him right now. There's just a lot of uncertainty behind him, I, I think. I think, I think their, uh, the biggest question for them is trying to find out who's who's going to set up for him. But I I think at this point he's he's kind of I would I would you know if if they had you know Corey Knebel once Knebel comes back, um, I think they're going to ease him in and he can take he can take on some of that some of that saves um, he can he can share some of the save situations with him. But I think I think Hater's pretty locked in as that as that guy. I think he can be more valuable when when. If you if you can trust a guy like Knievel or they had you know Jeremy Jeffers a, a couple of years back that they they can rely on, um, they don't have that guy at th- at this point. At this point, it's yeah, I like, don't think Knievel will be back at the beginning of the season, right? He had Tommy John in April. He'll, so. he'll be he'll be about a year removed yeah. 
That's so probably season, so. probably don't expect him to just jump right back into the role. Yeah, even if even if he's ready, which relievers can come back in in a year, but you wouldn't expect him. You you expect them to ease him back, and you know, so maybe by mid season. Whatever happened well. to Jeremy Jeffress? Is he? I guess he's. Uh, they they released him. La- they released him. Uh, wasn't just wasn't pitching good, and I think that's you know that's really relievers for you, and I think. A lot of people thought that was the plan last year, you know, so they could get Hader back into that fireman role. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's pretty much locked in now. I'm looking at your your page for the rest of the bullpen, and it's not inspiring. So <laughs> I think I think people who are drafting Hader early are probably pretty safe. Yeah, and, and they got some, some they got some interesting arms that, that could help. They got, a you know, Bobby Wall, the guy they, they acquired in a trade uh, before last season, and then he missed the season with a – with the knee injury, I think, I and mean, he had some huge, huge numbers in AAA that were that were really intriguing. But you know, somebody like that is nobody. Nobody's going to care at him until he actually gets a chance. And so, at some point, you know, he makes the team out of spring training, or if he gets called up, then he still has to prove himself in a you know, and whatever role. You know, it's not it's not going to be a high leverage role right away, probably. But you know, the thing with with finding the next closer is it's hard, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like they're being groomed in the minors to be the team's closer. That's those of us who, who play draft and hold know that you can take as many shots as you want late in the draft. And, and sometimes none of them will work out. So it, it pays to get some closers who have the job from day one, whether they keep it or not. So it, it would be a fun contest to have, you know, <laughs> pick, pick out of these guys that nobody out of these 50 guys that nobody thinks, is thinking of right now who's going to have the most saves out of these out of these guys yeah. <laughs> i love that yeah. or you're pick a yeah. team of 10 and see you know have a tournament of some kind yeah well uh last Brewers question and that's omar nervaez um the only thing that that i that sort of perked up my ears about him more was you know he had 482 plate appearances last year but i think that was because he was on the mariners and he was DHing for them he was pinch hitting and, uh, of course, you've got him for, for less, and you've got him in a platoon like most catchers are. And is that just simply because, A, National League, no DH, and, you know, B, he's just going to be a sort of a normal catcher for the most part. And while he's the starter, uh, Manny Pena or whoever will um, take a good bit of the load as well. Yeah, if, if a few things. I mean, they have a really good backup, Manny Pena, and it's it's a good compliment to to Narvaez, who was above average offensively, and at least you know at least he has been well below average defensively. So so Pena is a really good defender, and so you know with with catchers, it's not always a traditional platoon. Like every time there's a lefty, this guy plays. Every time there's a righty, this guy plays. But I I think it is going to be. It's not quite 50-50. It's more of like a 55 or 58, 42 split or something like that. But, I, you know, and that, that can always change. Gotcha. Um, and, and, and who knows, the guys, uh, uh, if I know they're, they, they know that Narvaez is not a good defender, so that they're obviously going to work with him in camp and try to work on some things and maybe he improves. Um, and then, of course, you never know how a guy is going to, gonna if he's gonna continue doing well offensively once he changes teams that change of scenery can, can change a lot of things but yeah for for now I, I think it's not like I said not quite 50 50 but just because there's more right-handed starters I think Narvaez sure. gets, gets more of the starts over Pena but I think that I know they like Pena and he's a good defender and he's he knows that that pitching staff well 
Yeah, that probably makes it closer to, uh, you know, like you said, a 60-40 or even 55-45 split than, you know, than it might trend otherwise, like a Mm -hmm. 70-30. Well, that's a pretty good segue to, let's go to the White Sox. And um, Yasmani Grandal stands out there because you've got him hitting cleanup, you've got him playing full-time and not platooning because he'll probably, I assume, you're probably thinking he'll he'll slot into the DH uh, position when he's not catching at least some of the time. Obviously they also have Encarnacion there. Um, I've, I've, I've never really thought about this cause I don't spend a uh, you know, crazy amount of time analyzing catchers because there are only a few that are really useful for fantasy. Grandal's one of them, but, th- but you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, as we talk about the Brewers sort of, you know, getting guys played appearances, when they're not playing their primary position, it, it's a lot easier in the um, American League. So I wonder, I wonder how much hay. I'll have to sort of make a mental note to go back and look into that because I wonder how much hay you could make from pitching, from picking, uh, you know, drafting mostly American League catchers, hoping that they'll get some some DH appearances like Narvaez did last year. But yeah, I mean, there's only, there's probably only a few, but but yeah, that that makes a big difference when you when when you're Grandal and you can probably. You can probably get an extra, you know, at least even if it's only ten extra games, ten to fifteen extra games. That that makes that's gonna make a big difference. Yeah, I would think that would be it conservatively. I mean, obviously he's not gonna push Encarnacion out of the spot, but they, you know they're gonna give Encarnacion a day off probably once a week, um, or you know maybe not quite that much, but certainly some. And then uh, they've got other things they can they can move around. I mean, um, I don't know how much time. Jose Abreu will get off at first base, but it's interesting to think about. But you, but you think, yeah, his money Grandal's got a pretty full load again, as as he usually does. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he could he could play first base. He could get DH. I mean, right. he's a guy that you know, one of the few catchers in the league that needs to be needs to be in that line. When the manager writes the lineup, he, he wants Grandal in the middle there, and it's it's a very right-handed heavy lineup right now. So so when you're facing a Tough right-hander, especially you know you want Grandal in there. Over, over, He's a switch, yeah. right? Not just a lefty. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Great. So you so you want him in there if if you want to sit on Encarnacion and get you know, James McCann or Zach Collins, whoever's going to be their backup catcher, get him a, an occasional start. Well, it's a very cool lineup. I love what they've done. Uh, I was I was talking to um, uh, a fellow baseball or a fellow a fellow fantasy uh, analyst on the podcast, uh, Toby from Bat Flip Crazy. And we were just talking about, you know, how cool it is that they've they've beefed up to their, their lineup to this extent, to the extent that Grandal and Encarnacion have potentially pushed uh, Eloy Jimenez to the sixth spot. When Eloy Jimenez is your sixth hitter in a lineup, you know you're doing something right. And then even after that, you've got Mazzara and Luis Robert. And um, it'd be interesting to see if Louis, Louis Garcia, who you have penciled in for the nine spot, is actually the second baseman, or if they bring up Madrigal, um, do you have any sort of general thoughts about what the White Sox have done? You think I think it's pretty cool. But... It's fun. I mean, that's a fun lineup to look at. You know, that's when we, like you said, pushing Eloy down to sit to the sixth spot. I, I think that's. I think we tend to to overreact a little bit to to a rookie season, even though he was you know he, he was really good for most of the season, and we expect him to get better. Uh, sometimes when you Put a little bit too much pressure on them. It, it could have it could have a negative effect. So so to have all these really 
talented veterans ahead of him and to push him down. He, he's not going to complain that, that you added Encarnacion ahead of him, that you added Grandal ahead of him, that you kept <laughs> right. Abreu. He's like, cool, that's, <laughs> that's good for me. I'll bat sixth or seventh. And then when you got a guy like, like Mazzara, who, who you're hoping that he bounces back, and if you just put him at the bottom of that lineup, he's seventh now. Yeah, it, there's no pressure, you know. And same with Luis Robert. He's going to have pressure on him just because he's that guy right now that everybody's looking at and saying um, top top prospect in baseball that's starting the season, that's making his debut on opening day most most likely. Um, and he doesn't he didn't even have a lot of AAA experience. So I, I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He might be a little bit overwhelmed at first. So, so to put him at the bottom of that lineup and, you know, there's not going to be as much it's focus gotta, on him is, is, is going to help. It's certainly got to help when, you know, it's not like anybody's focused on you when they've got to deal with Encarnacion and Grandal and Abreu and Jimenez. It's like, sure, everybody's interested in the rookie that's coming up, but he's not the, no one, he's not in the impression that he's going to jump in and be the best hitter in that lineup. So that probably helps. Do you, do you have any thoughts about Madrigal or are you just kind of wait to see what happens? I, I think he's, yeah, he's one of the, those guys that, they expected to move quickly. So, so even though he hasn't, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, I don't think he made it to triple A to triple A at all. Um, but I think he's one of those guys that, yeah, he, he could probably handle the majors right now. He'd probably hold his own, but it, it's not going to hurt to give him, give him at least another month or so in triple A and see how he handles that. Um, but yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if they gave him that, you know, some uh, idea of a contract, you know, the way they've done with Jimenez and now Robert, you know, I, it, obviously you would be less with Madrigal, but you could, I guess I could sort of uh, see it happening. Yeah. And I, I hope it's, it becomes a trend in, in the majors. I mean, they're, they're the team that's done it with, 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 uh, with uh, Eloy last year. Hopefully it it becomes a trend where you just don't have to worry about service time. You just say, "Oh, that'd be so, the guy. so great." <laughs> they have to they have to fix that somehow. So this this you get around it, you know, this, this way. And um, well, I yeah. noticed you you have Madrigal for for four hundred and sixty nine play appearances. Anyway, obviously that would that would go up if he was gonna gonna start on opening day. But oh um, yeah. yeah, one other guy that has sort of moved out of the potential lineup as they've made all these signings is. Zach Collins. I was wondering if, if you had any thoughts about him. I know you still have him on the bench, actually, as sort of a, a second backup catcher and also a backup first baseman. He's he's somewhat versatile there. Yeah, and most likely you don't want that guy on the bench when he can be getting regular reps in, in AAA. And um, you know, as long as there's hope for him being a, a big league catcher, you you want him you want him learning. You know, you, there is you, you can learn sitting on the on the bench. You know, especially when you got guys like like Grandal, you get to watch Grandal every day. That that's going to help to some extent, but you want a guy like that in the minors. They just don't have a lot of other options right now. They have they have uh, five catchers on the forty man roster, which is which is rare. It's rare for a team to have more than three, um, and they don't have they have a couple. Uh, they have three outfielders on their forty man roster that are that I have in the minors. Two two are two aren't close. Um, Luis Alexander Basabe, I don't think he's that close either. So they, they just don't have a lot of options right now. They signed Chesler Cuthbert, um, who would be a good option on the bench. Yeah, um, he can be I, sort of a util. Yeah, but I figured that, 
they they don't have any they don't have a lot of lefties so you know Collins could play he can play first he can catch gives them an extra left-handed bat off the bench you got that extra roster spot this year I I, I think teams are going to utilize that for guys that that are good um, late inning late inning options to pinch hit come off the bench this guy has a little bit of pop left-handed hitter um, I don't you know I don't I don't think it's I think there's too many too many options right now that are still out there in free agency. Somebody they're going to sign somebody who's going to be who's going to fill sure, that sure. role. Yeah, I agree. And just to be clear for everybody, you, you do have him for only 34 plate appearances. So I'm not yeah, it's, I'm not it's, accusing it's, you of overrating Zach Collins. Yeah, and, but it's an interesting player to kind of keep on your radar because you know I I checked uh, give you another plug here. I checked the the roster resource uh, payroll page, which is also just awesome and i noticed that james mccann will be a free agent in uh 2021 so maybe that's when zach collins becomes the uh the primary backup catcher there so anyway just just some food for thought but uh i i I just think it's an interesting lineup to look at and to think about and talk about but uh another another lineup that's you know become increasingly fascinating in the last uh few days really is uh the, the washington nationals um i think uh as, as amazing as um howie kendrick was last year i think he hit like 344 and he was just hitting home runs like he hit, he never has before a lot of us in you know in the fantasy world were hoping maybe he'll get a shot at some more regular playing time <laughs> because their, their infield was so was so weak and, and also Carter Keyboom, everyone was hoping, ah, it's finally Carter Keyboom time. You know, he got a very small stint last year where he didn't avail himself very well. And, um, you know, they were, everybody was hoping, you know, he's a, he's a major prospect. So it'd be nice to see him. Well, they, they sort of pushed those guys to the periphery with a bunch of signings as they got uh, Eric Thames yesterday, Starling Castro might've also been yesterday and, Asdrubal Cabrera within the last few days. And, and I noticed you have all three of those guys in the lineup. And uh, Howie Kendrick is, I guess, a util guy off the bench. So, so, so tell me sort of what you're thinking there. And, uh, you know, key boom, does he, does he get a shot eventually? Is he going to be down until June or July? Um, it's, it's kind of a mess, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> Thames, Starling Castro, and Asdrubal Cabrera are, are perfectly cromulent players, but I don't think any of them are – you know, they're, they're not replacing what the nationals had last year. Yeah. I I think it's, I think they're very smart moves because I mean, they they had, you know, as good as they were, obviously they were the world series champs. They were the worst roster on, on paper after, after the the season ended because so many guys were leaving Mm -hmm. Um, and you still, yeah, you're not going to replace Rendon, but you still had so many holes throughout the lineup. They needed to start, start filling those and not wait around to see if they can sign Josh Donaldson. Um, I think if you look at guys like Castro and Cabrera, both, both had huge, huge uh, August and September's last year. They were, you know, they were, they were both bad, bad early in the season, but they finished strong as Drupal played well with, with the nationals. Um, both can play all over the place. So, so they're not necessarily, you know, locked in, locked into those starting jobs all year long. They're, they're guys who are they they trust more than a, a rookie like Kaboom going into the season, and you know, no matter how good Kendrick was last year, he's not a guy you could pencil in every day. I, I was hoping he was going to sign in the American League because I know that if he was DHing, 
with, that would be a lot of fun because the guy can straight out hit. It's just he's 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 going to be he's thirty six. He's going to be thirty seven this year. Um, Who's that? Howie Kendrick. Oh, Kendrick. Okay. Yeah. yeah Sorry, I, think, I got yeah. confused. I was looking at what you said about Drupal, and he, he had a crazy good uh, August and September. Yeah. I mean, a... unfortunately, he's 34, so it's almost like yeah, yeah. You these... can't, no one's really looking at him to take the next step in his career or anything. But uh... right, you never know. I and mean, he, you know, it was so bad that the Rangers released him. He wasn't horrible, but he just. He, he, but it's he, kind of the was... same thing as Howie Kendrick. It's like when you take a step like that, even if it's only for a couple months. Uh, it, at a, you know, in the in your mid thirties, <laughs> it it does kind of come out of nowhere and surprise people. But somebody does it every year. Yeah, and I think you know, especially a team that that is expecting to go to the postseason, you're you're trying to set up your roster more. As, it's it's kind of like a relay race. You just you're going to keep passing the baton on to, to different group group of guys. The guys that you're starting with aren't necessarily going to finish the season. You know, Kai, it, you, they might think Kai Boom's going to help them at some point. But it, it's probably not going to be April and May. Let him get his his reps in AAA, and he, he'll he'll let you know when he's when he's ready. And it's not really a big deal to move Asdrubal Cabrera to the bench or Starling Castro to the bench. They they're versatile guys. They they can help you out in different ways, and they're veterans who are good to have around on that on that team. So. Yeah, and I think it worked out really well for them last year, right? I mean, uh, obviously they didn't know they were going to get what they got out of Howard Kendrick, but I mean, between him and what you just alerted me to about uh, Cabrera, they got more than they could have bargained for out of their sort of utility players. And so why not beef up on utility players again and just get just get a bunch of them and they can, um, you know, they move them to the bench. They can always call, uh, keep them up if, if they need to, but but certainly they can produce a pretty decent lineup sort of like they did last year without really having, you know, like you said, you can't replace Rendon, but without having even sort of a Donaldson type, they can sort of make it work. So it's interesting. It's unfortunately for fantasy, I'm I'm kind of starting to avoid them in a, in a similar way that I avoid the Dodgers. It's like, I don't want to avoid these players for fantasy because they're all good. They're all really, really good at baseball, but you know, when I'm sitting here in January, February, or March and trying to figure out what's going to go on all season, these are hard teams to figure. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, you know, when you're, when you're comparing a veteran to a rookie, um, it's you kind of want to lean towards the veteran in a lot of cases because a lot of it is playing time and a lot of it is how much, how much of a leash does this guy have? And the man, you know, guys like Starling Castro and his Drupal Cabrera, who who have have been really good major league players, the manager is going to tend to, you know, if they're struggling in April, it doesn't matter how how bad the fans want you to 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 bench them or release them, call up your young guys, he's gonna they're gonna they're gonna get a chance to battle out of it, you know, at yeah. least at least a month, and depending on the player, but these these types of guys, <clears throat> the manager is going to go, okay, I trust these guys, they they've done it before. Um, whereas a young player that's that's struggling in the lineup, it's like, oh, this guy's killing us out there, and maybe he's just not ready. Do we do we let him continue to struggle, and you know he's he's gonna he's gonna lose more confidence day by day, or you know, obviously if you send him to the minors, he's gonna lose confidence. But you know, once they they get to beat up on AAA pitching for a while or whatever, you know, they they're gonna regain that confidence, and then they're gonna get another shot later. But um, but yeah, I, I think that has, that's pretty important part when, when you're, you're comparing 
a, a veteran player to a, a, a prospect, an unproven prospect. I love that. Yeah, I'll let you go there because I might have to quote you on that. I think that's one thing we have trouble with in fantasy. We get too excited about these young guys. And, you know, the team's excited too. They want to see what they have, but they're not going to bench, you know, sort of a sure thing, you know, a tried and true proven guy uh, easily, certainly. And, and they're, you know, they're not going to, you know, cut a guy loose that they they know can be a proven performer, uh, like you said, because he struggles in April or something. So good good word there. Um, here's one thing I just noticed. You now have Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle as co-closers. Um, what's the thinking there? And does Will Harris stand a chance to get into that committee if indeed it is going to be a committee? Well, in this case, since since they finished the season, they they won the World Series. In this kind of this kind of situation, it was it was mostly Hudson, but occasionally Doolittle. So, uh, you know that that seemed to work out okay for them. Um, so when they signed Harris, I I thought he might be the guy to kind of team with Doolittle. Now they bring in Hudson, and I think you know Harris can st- Harris can stay in that setup role. Um, yeah, you know, things can change, but I think just based on how they finished last year and how well Hudson pitched, how much they trusted him do do little is, is a proven closer. He doesn't, you know, he could probably handle it, but um, I, I think. I think this is a good, good example of something that at least in fantasy we, we, we do. And we feel like we have to make a call, you know, we feel like we have to say, Oh, I really think Doolin is going to bounce back. You know, he was always good and he just had a bad year and he's going to bounce back or, uh, you know, I think Hudson's going to take over. I think it's going to be a committee. And, and and one thing we probably need to realize a little bit more, especially for the game that I play, the, the you know fantasy, is we just don't know. You know, and and there's really no reason for them to, as you said before, decide right now or tell us or any yeah. of that. And uh, you know, if they're gonna if if uh, and there, and also there's no reason for them to change what was working last year. So if, if Daniel Hudson comes in and he gets a save or two and they throw in Doolittle and he gets a save or two, you know, why would they stop doing that? So I, I think it's a sort of a, a smart thing if you're going to play fantasy to, to think of that as an open question and not to overvalue uh, a guy thinking he's definitely going to get 30 saves. Yeah, it shouldn't even surprise anybody if if Tanner Rainey led the team in saves. You, you just you just never know. And I, I think I think these days, like Sean Doolittle doesn't care if he's not the 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 regular closer. He just wants he wants to win, and and he's fine with that. And most guys are are, are more open to this kind of role. And it's 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 funny because I always think about if I was a major leaguer, I I want to be the closer. I want I want that. I want that music going on. I want my I know, own theme I know. I song. Of, and I want uh, to come out. I always think of John Rocker coming out, uh, <laughs> you know, ten years ago or whatever that was, to, you know, Metallica or whatever it is. But yeah, yeah such a rush, man. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so cool. And then you get the last out, and everybody celebrates. And then, and now you're asking these guys to go out and pitch the eighth inning. That sucks. You know, it's like no wonder, no wonder they're bad when they're not when they're not given the, the save situation. And I. And, but I think it's it's just a culture of, of the game. What, once they get it in their head that that's just the way things are, it, they'll be. I think most guys are going to adjust and they're going to be fine with you know if 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 they're not closing full time or if they're the closer and they got to pitch in non-safe situations, they're going to be better. It's just I, I think yeah. it, I think it would be a difficult 
thing, a difficult transition when you're used to that getting, getting pumped up on your, on your, on your music. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to get the last out and I'm going to be the hero. Um, yeah maybe maybe more reason not to go back to that when they've already made the transition but yeah it's interesting um well I, I know we've been going pretty long so i want to be respectful of your time do you have time for a few more random questions or oh, yeah yeah okay. no problem yeah, no. well let's yeah. stick on closers because that's just fascinating to me i don't know how you can even attempt to predict some of these things but i noticed actually a couple moves and one of them was one that i had sort of pinged you about on twitter and that was um you moved Matt McGill back into the closer role in, in Seattle. And I was just wondering if uh, you were just doing what I say, or <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, did you, did you find anything about that from a beat writer or somebody? So I, so I do. So I get a lot of comments from, from readers and most of this, I mean, it, it's still pretty much a niche. What, what I do, you, you got to really, you know, your stuff or you're really interested in, in this kind of stuff. If, if you're on, if you're on my depth charts. So I, I tend to trust when somebody says, Hey, you know, if, even if you're just asking a question, like in a respectful way, why do you have this guy as a closer? And since there's, you know, I, there's 30 teams on here and, and I'm not going to get everything right. And it's always just, it's just my opinion. And for the most part, if I, if I look up something, I go, okay, I know exactly what I was thinking here. This is why I did it. Um, and I make all these, these projections as soon as the, as soon as the season ends, I start getting to these and I look at overall season. I look at second half. I look at the last month and I go, okay, how did, how did these guys end the season? Who was the closer? Is there a different guy that would, would be, <clears throat> would be more likely to step into this role? And, um, you know, I think you mentioned, so you mentioned the Mariners, which Matt McGill was their closer at the end of the season. And so I'll, I look at him and I go, okay, they didn't really have anybody else. He had a few guys hurt that were pretty interesting. Um, I, you know, I think a guy like Tui Velala, I think that's how you say his name. He's a guy who, who's been <laughs> yeah. hurt a lot. Your but, guess is as good as yeah. mine for sure. <laughs> he pitched well at the end of the season. He's more of a guy that he would, you know, he was hurt for a while, but a couple of years ago, that, that's a guy who, who, who could be a closer in the future. Um, and so I think I had him in the closer spot and I go, McGill, I, I don't know. He seemed to, he did okay, but he's a journeyman. They're not. And, and but in this particular case, I, I probably go, well, they're going to sign somebody that's going to be their clearly going to be their closer. There's, there's too many options out there. Um, the Mariners are going to do something. And so I don't really think much about it. And then you mentioned it and I go, let me, you know, it's actually been a couple of months into the off season. The Mariners are just been quiet. They're not doing anything. A bunch of the relie- you know, the best relievers are, are off, you know, off, off the board. Yeah, maybe they like McGill. I mean, there's not there's not really anything I read. It was just more, okay, th- this this point of the off season, it doesn't look like they're going to do anything else. Where where a couple months earlier, that that projection wasn't as big of a deal to me because yeah, just, they're, they're going to sign somebody pretty quickly and push these guys down. So. Nice. Well, that's it's, interesting it's to hear your, your your process there because I, I definitely, you know, I agree. I mean, I guess the only reason I even pointed out McGill was because he got a few saves at the end of the year. And um, if anybody's in the fiftieth round of a <laughs> draft and hold, I've also noticed that Austin Adams there. Um, they seem to be high on him before he got hurt last year, and so I've I've 
I've drafted him a couple times just like as a last ditch, you know, maybe he takes the role at some point, maybe not. It's kind of like you were saying about there's probably 250 pitchers that we could name that maybe they get called up, maybe they come out of the bullpen and get a save, but, you know, good luck finding – you know, throwing a stone and hitting one. You know? Yeah, yeah, and, and the the Mariners actually have some relief prospects, which is just kind of rare. But they actually have guys that were draft high draft picks um, as relievers. That you know, but but those are typically guys that still need to break into the majors, and you're not gonna. It's not like you're calling them up to be your closer. That doesn't happen. It's just it's gonna be somebody like McGill. It could be somebody like you know Dan Altavilla. Finally, you know, is finally healthy. He's, you know it. <laughs> You just never know. Well, another one that I thought you might have heard about at some point from, you know, a fantasy player or, or some other fan was um, the, the Pittsburgh situation. Because mm-hmm. I noticed you have Kyle Crick over um, what, I, you know, what I've always heard from everybody else. They think the closer is going to be Keone Kella or Kela. I don't know how you pronounce that. But yeah. um, what are your thoughts <laughs> there and, and what led you to, to Kyle Crick? Well, that see that's that's one that was it's a little bit different as well because you mentioned that one to me and I go just just as soon as off season ended I know Crick finished the season he he, he didn't close after um, after uh, Vasquez got <laughs> got arrested yeah. um, but you know because he was hurt um, but I but in my head I'm thinking Crick's Crick's really good this year he's like breaking out um, you know you hear so much about that. Sp- that spin rate and, and just so many good things about, about him and how difficult he is and uh, at bat. Um, and I just, I didn't think too much about it. I know Keela has been, been okay there. And Keela was, you know, briefly was a closer for the Rangers before they traded him. But that was the one where I looked at it. I go, oh, let me, let me look at Crick's stats from last year. And I go, Oh, he wasn't good. He was, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, he was okay. He's, he has high ERA. Strikeouts. He, I go, but... I, yeah. I go, did he, did he finish? good did they have a good second half i mean nothing really stood out i go yeah i mean i think i'm just wrong on this and for some reason maybe i was thinking of 2018 but for some reason i was thinking crick is crick is at some point because i i've been following closers when i was working for mlb trade rumors i was running their twitter twitter account that was a closer news and so for 2017 and 2018 18 i was following closers closely and i remember always thinking crick crick is a guy who's like on the rise he's one of those relievers that everybody's talking about and he's, he's going to be really good and so it's funny when when i looked him up after you met you know you asked that question so go let, let me at least look him up maybe i'm missing something because i i was expecting to to, to reply to you that look how good look, look how good he was before he he got that season ending injury he was really starting to to uh to show that he was he was the next in line and it, it wasn't the case i was actually surprised and i go what, what was i for some reason he was stuck in my head it's crick is just he's gonna get he's the guy that's gonna break out and it, it could still be the case but i would i would definitely put Keela above him heading into spring training wow well i am under no illusion that i know more about the stuff than you did do but it's interesting to hear your your process you know just because i, I i'm sure it's impossible to keep track of everything and you know you have your ideas about a guy that are that are preconceived you know from when he was from you know you've been following this for years so you you remember him from years ago and uh no one can keep track of every stat so it's really interesting to hear how you just sort of 
make those changes sort of in your head and then on the site. And I just pulled it up and I noticed you have Kila in the role now. So my, my info was old on that. So. Yeah, I, ch- I changed them at the same time. Both of those that you met, you mentioned the mirrors, you mentioned the pirates. I researched them and then I, I go, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes it makes sense. Well, I did. I did. Uh, I did notice two others that you changed. And I'm not sure I mentioned. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I didn't mention both of these, but I noticed you have. Uh, Tony Watson now in San Francisco and uh, Jose Arena now in uh, Miami. What did you uh, read something particular on either of those or are those just um, sort of the same thing as what we've been talking about with these others? Yeah. Giants pro- probably similar to the Mariner situation where you just, I just, just figured, assume they're going to sign just somebody. Assume, uh, like they're going to sign somebody. Watson is so good in this, seventh and eighth inning roll they're going to sign somebody to close but <laughs> and then they have you know done. this you know this guy you know sean anderson has a good arm it's he makes you know he's a guy they talked about as being a you know potential closer in the future i go eh, i have it i probably just leave him as a closer and leave watson in his role and of course they don't do anything a couple months later and i go yeah I, I, maybe watson's their closer so well, i don't think that was that one was my idea because i actually kind of agreed with you about sean anderson not not that I have any strong inkling about it, just just this the simple fact that he got a couple saves last year. But I mean, it was literally a couple. So yeah, and in, this, in this case, it's 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 like it, this would be the case where he just he's just he just is unproven, and there's no reason they would say you're the closer, right? Um, but they have this one guy Watson, who's you know everybody else in their bullpen is is un, unproven. You know, a guy like maybe Trevor God has been there for a bit. Everybody else, they have some guys with good arms, but there's nobody else. I think I think it's just like by default, Watson's the, the closer, but we would like to see somebody like Sean Anderson, John Del Gustav win the job. You know, Sam Sam Coonrod, you know, has a has a good arm as well. Um again, it's it's still they could still bring somebody in there, but yeah, they're running out of time. So yeah, yeah that, that's one of those where, where yeah, and then uh, with Miami with the, with the Renya, it was always something I I was thinking they could lean towards. They have they have a lot of starting pitching depth. They moved him to the bullpen last season. He had some he had some saves, and then uh, their beat writer Joe Forsaro is saying, I think it um, in their in their predictions, uh, he mentioned that or no, he just tweeted today. He will be given an opportunity to find a bullpen role, um, okay. which which that isn't that doesn't it's sound kind of the opposite too, of what you expected. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like oh this guy's going to be our closer. It sounds like he, he, I mean obviously he's going to he didn't get non tendered. He's a, he's a, eligible for arbitration. They kept him on the roster, but I think that is assuming he's going to be in the bullpen. And my you know my assumption is that he's he's better than everybody else, and I trust him more than anybody else in that bullpen doesn't doesn't say a lot but you know you yeah, still got a guy like ryan stanick and that's an interesting one and, and you know they've kind of been known to to go to a committee before well may, i won't say known to but they certainly had more than one guy last year over the course of the season so i don't know i mean like i think ryan stanick has promise but it's it's a mess in miami I mean, yeah, what would you put the confidence if you had to give a percentage that you're confident it will be a Urania? I would, I would probably twenty percent. I'd say like like fifty fifty that it would be like fifty percent Urania, fifty percent just a straight committee, gotcha. um, or maybe maybe we'll give a little bit of a, a chance that somebody like Stan could just really 
that guy throws hard. He's 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 closed some games. I mean, maybe he's just really impressive in spring training. I don't think there's anybody else there, regardless it's, of how good they are in spring training. There's nobody else there where you go, this guy's going to be our closer. I think it's Aranya yeah. Stanek or or committee, unless unless somebody else emerges. Um, they have a they have a reliever that everybody's talking about, a lefty named Alex Vesia. Okay. Um, and I think he – I don't think he made it to AAA last year, but he's a guy who's just – they say he's filthy, left-hander. But, wow. again, let's, it's, not, it's not one of those where you know, he makes his debut and he's the closer. It's like he, well, you think about broken. last year, you know, and they had Sergio Romo for a while, <laughs> and then I don't even know if he got any saves, but they had Nick Anderson just killing it before, oh, man. before yeah. he got traded to, the, to, to, to Tampa Bay. And it's just like – and, of course, Urania got in there for some saves, so it's just like – you you may be right. It may be fifty percent that he's either the guy or in the committee, but you know you certainly can't uh, count any chickens with him or Stanek or anybody else. Yeah, but, uh, the, the the what you, what what good you should to speculate. We, yeah, a good thing to do right now is to go on the on the free agent tracker and check relief pitchers and and right there, there's a couple guys that stand out for me as like if the Marlins were to sign him, he'd be he'd probably be the closer. Huh. Um, and I and I don't know if what what's going to happen with Andrew Kashner. I think he's he's good enough as a starter where some team would just say, "Hey, this this guy he's going to eat some innings, put him as you know, make him our number five starter." But I think he can be a really good reliever. He's never really yeah. he's, he was he was a reliever with the Red Sox at the end of the season. He was he was pretty good. Um, Brandon Kinsler is a really good reliever. I think I think a, a I think a good team would is probably going to sign him to be a be a middle reliever, yeah. yeah, yeah. Setup man, Colin McHugh is kind of interesting. Yo- Yoshihisa Hirano was pretty good with the D backs. Fernando Rodney's out there still, of course. That's that would be fun. Bring him back to Miami. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I mean, any of those guys are, you know, I mean, you might put the chances at ten percent, twenty percent, but if they if they do get signed. Uh, <laughs> You know that that may be as good as anybody else. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to, Pe- Pedro Strop, Brad Boxberger. Oh, is Strop a free agent right now? Yeah, Strop's a free agent. Okay, uh, well, Nate, that's an Nate interesting. Jones, Nate Jones, who who uh, there was who before all the injuries, he was throwing 100 miles per hour. I'm not sure how, how oh. good he's getting, but he at one time he was the future closer of the White Sox. So all right. there's always well, some you, interest, interesting. You heard names it here. First, folks, Nate Jones and Pedro Strop are going to lead the league in saves this year. There you go. <laughs> well, well, Jason, I, I really appreciate your time, man. I, I definitely want to let you get back to life. But um, uh, this has been just a blast for me. I, I, I love your site and your uh, your relationship with Fangraphs is exciting. Um, is there any anything you want to say, any parting thoughts or comments for uh, especially the fantasy players who are big fans of everything you do no man this is this has been fun um like like i said it's w- when i get these questions i don't even if if, if people are not nice about it most 99 percent <laughs> of the people are really nice like you like in a respectful way like you know like like when i when i researched i'm like oh, okay that that's that makes sense i'm gonna make the change but it's not like you're like hey man why, is, why don't you have this guy as a closer? You're stupid. You know, I don't, I don't get, I don't get hardly any of those. But even if I did, it's like, oh, let me let me take a look at that. And then most that's, people are nice. Some people think people, they know everything, but most yeah. people are nice. But that's that stuff is super helpful. So I mean, 
you, awesome. you're asking you're asking me questions here well, and careful I have, what you ask for yeah <laughs> but and then i look at it and i go oh yeah okay my instincts are right that you know but but sometimes i go oh maybe i need to look into this a little bit more and that's so that's the case here that's the case you know if you're sending me you know um emails or, or on twitter that stuff that's 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 how i've always managed the site to keep it keep it as up to date as possible Cool. Well, if you want to give your, your Twitter handle or something so people can contact you, feel free to do that. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, at, I'm at MLB Depth Charts. That was the original name of the, of the site, MLB Depth Charts. A throwback. Yeah, <laughs> way, way back. And then it became Roster Resource. But yeah, it's, so Twitter handle is still at MLB Depth Charts. I love it. Well, we will do what we can to, to help uh, if we ever have any questions, I'm sure. Uh, I know I appreciate you getting back to me and just thanks so much from, from me and all of the, the fantasy world out there uh, for everything you do and for, for joining us today. This has been yeah. a lot of fun. Anytime. Thanks, Drew. All right. Well, uh, that's it for Common Sense Fantasy Baseball today. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Common Sense FBB. And uh, as always, stay classy, Planet Baseball.